You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. The Indianapolis Colts 2023 draft class is complete Joe Hopkins has finally stopped doing his backflips over picking Anthony Richardson fourth overall, just in time to join us here inside the podcast studio. Uh, Joe, tell me your reaction, first of all. Everyone who's listened to this podcast knows that Anthony Richardson has been your pick for basically three months, ever since we began our draft previews here on the podcast. What was your reaction to hearing his name come out there from the commissioner uh, in pick four? Relief. Uh, You know, I had kind of mentally prepared myself for Will Levis um, just because, you know, it's it's not every day that the Colts uh, come away with draft picks that I want. Usually Chris Pallard picks his guys, and a lot of times that's for the better because they work <laughs> How out. How selfish of him. I yes. know, I know. But uh, I was relieved that the Colts went with the guy who I think is going to be the better quarterback. So uh, it was pretty, pretty great evening for me. Well, we will run down the Colts draft pick by pick, selection by selection, give our analysis, some grades of the draft as a whole, our opinions so far. Uh, so let, let's just start at the top of the draft. Let's jump right in as the uh, un, the un, um, what's the word that I'm thinking of? The, the expected number one pick, Bryce Young, does go to Carolina, number one. Uh, Frank Reich, there, there was... Uh, the smoke around Bryce Young was that Frank Reich chap liked tall quarterbacks, which he's had tall quarterbacks in the past, but that doesn't mean he only likes tall quarterbacks. So the Carolina Panthers decide to marry Frank Reich with Bryce Young. He gets what he didn't get in Indy, which is a consistent quarterback, and we'll see what happens there in Carolina with, with Bryce Young headed there. Isn't it safe to say that all the time the last month we were talking about the smoke, the smoke, everything was smoke, mm-hmm. except Bryce Young. The last... Three or four weeks, that was, that's it who it was. It started to get more consistent. Everything yes. else was smoke. Levis to the Colts. Houston's not taking a quarterback. It, it was all smoke, which is what it generally is, which makes it, you know, what, what you sort of enjoy to a degree about it. But uh, we'll get into it. But what's really crazy is how things might have changed had Houston not gone from 12 to 12 to 3. What an insane trade to jump up for Houston. To get the second and third pick in this draft, Houston takes C.J. Stroud, first of all, at number two. Um, And then they trade back up from 12 to 3 to draft Will Anderson. Certainly a pick that I'm sure their new head coach, D'Amico Ryans, loves to have on his defense. So some of that smoke was warranted. That it was like, oh, Houston could take a defensive player here. Well, they, they did both, we, turns out. We know that they loved Will Anderson enough to give up a first-round pick next year, which is probably going to be a top-five pick overall, a third-round pick next year, and their second pick in the uh, second round this year. So they moved up nine spots. And their first round pick this year, and well, well they flipped. Well, yeah, yeah, right. They yeah. gave up. Right, they they gave up nine. They moved up nine spots. You're right. Sorry. So they give up twelfth overall, thirty third overall, and then their first round and third round next year to get up to three. Yes, it's a lot. It it's it's a quarter. It's quarterback numbers is what they paid to go up and, and get Will Anderson. I, I was stunned when I saw their name pop back up. It's because they they had to go up so far. Exactly. So you know the Colts wouldn't have had to give up. That much to go up one spot. Oh, totally. But I, I'm saying I'm saying it's quarterback numbers because that's yes. what you pay to get a quarterback. Like it's not what you pay to get a defensive end. Not not from what I've seen before watching the draft. So 
I, I was I was I was stunned when I saw Houston jump back up to that number three spot, and immediately when they did, if you're a Colts fan, you're you're thrilled probably. Uh, in, in spite of Houston, your conference rival getting two really good players in this draft, you're thrilled that nobody else jumped up because then you can take your pick, either Richardson or Levis, whoever it was that Ballard and company uh, eventually came to a, an, an agreement on. Well, and, and there's so many different ways the dominoes could have fallen. I saw reports that if C.J. Stroud made it to three, Tennessee was going to trade up to number three because we saw the report before the draft that Tennessee – um, was in talks to acquire that pick. And then once Stroud was drafted number two by Houston, they were kind of out. Um, we've seen reports that kind of indicate there's a darn good chance that Seattle would have taken Richardson at five um, ha- had he still been available there. So uh, a lot of different ways this draft could have gone. Uh, I think Houston, we'll see how it turns out. I mean, even if Will Anderson is a really good player, this is a team with a lot of different needs. And for them to give up that much draft capital. I mean, Anderson's going to have to turn into a multi-year all-pro player to be worth that kind of selection. We'll get into it on the Richardson pick, but it, it's amazing to me how, like you say, how things could have changed because the Colts told us how nervous they were until the trade was made. Mm-hmm. The, the, the problem I have, okay, they made it very clear that Richardson was their guy. They had settled on him for the last mo- month or month, so. I think. what Ballard so, said, yeah. So you, you weren't convinced at the time to trade with Chicago. That, that you, you weren't sure. But you were darn sure that you wanted him at four, and you were apparently willing to lose him at three. If you were that sure, why didn't, why didn't they make a strong effort to go to three? You know, it, it worked out fine, but I, I thought it was if they're that much in on him, boy, go up and get him at three. Here's what I didn't, I didn't get about this scenario, and I promise we're going to talk plenty about Anthony Richardson. Don't worry, folks. Like if it, the Colts said that they had talked to uh, the Cardinals, that's what Ballard said post uh, after the draft said they had talked to the Cardinals about acquiring that third overall pick. Why wouldn't the Cardinals let the Colts trade up with them and then trade with Houston? Again, to acquire whatever the Colts were going to give them, double dip. Because on you it. know, you you knew that the the um, the Texans were going to take a quarterback, and you knew that the Colts were going to take a quarterback. So both of them would have gotten their guys. Arizona would have just gotten whatever the Colts would have given them extra to move up one spot. I don't care if it's a third or a fourth round pick, but it would have been something that they would have acquired to move back one spot, and then they could have traded with Houston again. So it just made very little sense to me what happened from a Houston Cardinals, not Houston Cardinals, an Arizona Cardinals standpoint. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? Do you, do you, do you hear what I'm agreed, saying? Agreed. I mean, I think at a certain point, Ballard, you know, he said they did have intel, and he probably trusted his sources and kind of had to call other teams bluff. Said, uh-uh. Yeah, that's and, possible. And they must have had to have liked Will Levis enough that if— Well, remember Ursay said. Yeah, probably would have taken Levis. They would have taken Levis. And just a side note, with all these machinations and things that didn't didn't happen, as the fourth pick— Richardson gets a four-year deal, $35 million guaranteed with a fifth-year option. Will Levis at number 33 gets $8 million and, like, I think $5 million is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So quite, quite, a, quite a fall a difference, from yes. grace and, and financially for Will Levis. I was surprised that he fell that far. Uh, I know it got to the kind of the point where the teams with the, you know, huge – gaping hole at quarterback the really big need 
Uh, we got past them. Uh, right. I was, I kind of kept waiting for some team to trade Minnesota. up. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, nope. They went wide receiver. Um, I kept waiting for some team to trade up, and then the Tennessee eventually did in round two, but they didn't like them enough to take them at 12. I mean, it just kind of goes to show what the league as a whole thought of Will Levis. Well, let's get into Anthony Richardson because the Colts thought a whole heck of a lot of him after putting in all the work because they drafted him number four overall, the 6'4", 244-pound former Florida Gator. 20 years old right now, turns 21 just this month, this May, in 2023. Um, the, the greatest athletic testing quarterback in the history of the NFL Combine is coming to Indianapolis. In many ways, it, it's, it, it is a Chris Ballard pick because it's a guy with traits. It's a guy with athletic traits, which we'll, we'll get into further as we get deep into this class because, boy, it's, it's, an, it's a highly athletic draft class, which you would expect but Richardson is the most, uh, the, the most of all of them, out of all of them. Um, he's he, only, he was a 10. Exactly, a 10 oh, on, on the, the RAS scale. If you guys don't know what RAS is, you need to know what RAS is. I'm talking to you guys, the listeners. Those of you who download, subscribe to our Colts Blue Zone podcast, obviously you guys are, uh, you, you are into getting a little bit more information than the typical um, that, than just the typical perusing a website because you've downloaded our podcast, you're listening to us. If you want to take another step, you need to know what an RAS score is. It is a relative athletic score where basically what you're doing is you're combining all these testing numbers from uh, the shuttle, three-cone drill, 40-yard dash, from the combine, exactly. Like bench press, your height, your weight, all those things together to produce one score, one number. It's on a 0 to 10 scale. And if you get a 10, you are literally the highest-graded player at that position in the history of the Combine. It goes back to, like, 1987, I believe, is when well, this because, RAS Because you're, you're dealing in numbers, and the numbers right. are the numbers. Numbers don't lie. Yeah, exactly. Numbers are ironclad. And th- this doesn't say that Anthony Richardson is going to be the most successful quarterback in NFL history, but it does say that out of every quarterback who has tested athletically between 1987 and today, he posed the highest score, so the, the best overall numbers, according to this metric, which has been a metric that the Colts have used, because their average RAS score for this draft was something like a 9.4, which is ludicrously high. And it's, it's, it's the reason that I put out a mock draft earlier, which was an all-RAS mock draft. I talked about it on this podcast a couple weeks ago. I hit three picks that the Colts made because I know what an RAS score is. If you out there don't know what an RAS score is, you need to get into it. You need to learn it because the Colts put serious stock into athletic traits that players have. I hit on Richardson there in the first round. I hit on Julius Brents in the second round. And I hit on Jake Witt, their seventh-round tackle pick that nobody had ever heard of. Why had I heard of him? Because he had a great RAS score. That's how I knew or had an idea what the Colts might be looking for. But Anthony Richardson, uh, among, like I said, among every quarterback ever who was tested at the Combine, had the best RAS score out of all of them. So, Joe, it's, it's a unique player that is coming here to Indy. With all the things that he needs, what he already has are things that really can't be taught, all the physical traits that he has, which is what immediately has scouts' eyes popping out of the back of their heads if they ever see him at practice or in a game. Yeah, just follow at MathBomb on Twitter for all the RAS information. It tweets out about probably every player in every draft. Um, But Richardson, and we've been talking about this for months, is 
freakishly athletic, the most athletic quarterback to enter the NFL, at least based on testing. And, you know, the concerns with him, just one year starter at Florida, extremely young, 17 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions, 53.8% completions. Those are the concerns that you're not getting a finished product, but boy, do you have a a ball of clay to work with. And um, the, the thing that really... You know, there's some athletic prospects, but there's usually a butt behind them. Richardson's butts are more so just like he hasn't played a whole lot of football because in every interview I've seen, every report on the guy, high character, extremely motivated, loves football, great work ethic. Like, those are the guys you want to bet on with great mental makeup and physical makeup. Like, it's just... Unless injuries or something like that happens, it's just hard to see these guys fail. Maybe he never reaches his absolute full potential, which is, what, best quarterback in the NFL, potentially, you know, based on his athleticism. But I have a hard time seeing him failing and being a bad quarterback that you can't win with. One thing that Ed Dodd told us after the draft, he said, on on why they go after these these traits, he said they believe that some guys – are, are are too big and too fast to fail. They just think of you know if, if you add that to to the guy again his his football athletic ability that you you you've really limited the risk as much as you can, and uh, it, it's just really amazing. Like I think ten of the top ten of the twelve draft picks were nine point zero or better. Yep. So th- th- they bank on that. They do now. One of them, not, somebody rated, well, he's a great athlete, or he's a great Raz guy, but he's not a great football player. Daniel Scott, maybe, one of them. Mm-hmm. But but it, this is all about limiting the risks. And, and they think they've done that by continually relying on, on sheer athletic ability. Chap, this uh, this pick really shows the, the change in the NFL, obviously, from, from one era to another, because... Uh, Bill Polian would uh, would rather quit and storm out of a building, I think, than to draft a one-year starter quarterback that completed 53.8% uh, of his passes in his one year, regardless of anything else that, that has to do with his athleticism. He gave a good review. Well, now he does, afterwards. but I'm talking about 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, one of the, the neatest times is that the Colts bring in the scouts Post draft, we talked to that's great, yeah. Morocco Brown, Ed Dodds, and four four other scouts, and we we were talking, and I asked Ed Dodds a couple times, can can you compare the evaluation of Richardson to anyone else? And they really can't because of the lack of experience. And he he sort of said, I went into it with, with a negative mindset because the guys played thirteen games, and, and it's really hard. As a, as a long-time scout, you want to trust your eyes. And, and you talk to it's game tape, game tape. Let's go back to the game tape. Well, there's not much game tape. So they sort of, I guess they sort of had to trust their eyes that what they were seeing was real when you really couldn't go back and reinforce it with game tape because even his the 13 game tapes, all of them weren't that great. What was he, six and seven as a starter? Mm-hmm. So there was bad game tape. But, and we'll get to it further on, but I saw something on Twitter today where somebody said, well, now, if Richardson doesn't pan out, you know, Ballard's going to be run out of town. 
Well, that was going to be the case regardless. Right. Doesn't matter. With, whichever who. quarterback they took. They could have taken Bryce Young. In that in, anybody. Anybody. His, his future here and his reputation will be tied to this quarterback. So, you know, I remember Bobby Bethard, uh, great, great former GM, and sort of his black mark is, is, is Ryan Leaf. Yep. That's how it is. When, when you're in, in this position, whoever you draft at this, at this position with quarterback is going to rise and fall with how he does. And that's what Chris has said over the years when we've been hounding him. Like, when are you going to solve this? You guys are going to get all, like, you, you know, I'll get you, you all off you my You guys ass, will love it. And then you're going to run me out of town if it yep. doesn't work. Yep. He's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, just going back to Richardson, his limited experience. I mean, new offense every year at Florida. In that new offense, he got better as the year went on. Zero touchdown passes, six interceptions his first three games. Last three games, eight touchdown passes, two interceptions. So that's what you want to see. I mean, he's basically a rookie out there. And if you watch a rookie, if you see them get better as the season goes on, you feel pretty pretty good about that next year, that their best football is ahead of them. And that's what Chris Ballard said about Richardson, that his best football is ahead of him. They said we drafted him for the quarterback he can be in the future. Right. Which was a great quote. Mm -hmm. You know, let's not, this guy's not Superman yet. And... We we need to get into it about how the power brokers out there, Ursay Steich and, and Ballard, were sort of walking that fine line about what's next. How soon? Mm-hmm. How soon does he play? It sure sounds like they want him to play as soon as possible because he as, d- as much as Chris Ballard tried to stay away from that. Right. The other two were like, well, he needs to play. He needs experience. Reps, reps, reps. What did say? He said, he said, practice and practice reps and preseason and sitting in the meeting room is really important, but you got to play. Yep. Go, go go back to '98. Not realize you can't compare quarterbacks. Manning was, but we will anyway. But we will. But Manning <laughs> was different. He was just different from the day he walked in the building. He was different. He played all 982 snaps his first year. He took all of the, the snaps the first two years. So they said we're going to sink and swim with Peyton Manning. I think it's wild the amount of people after this draft selection to ask me, do you think he plays year one? Of course he's going to play year one. He's the fourth overall pick. He's super athletic. He's smart. Like the the, the real question is, does he play week one? Mm -hmm. And I think the only question regarding that is, does he get the playbook down enough to be able to adjust protections at the line of scrimmage if he needs to and make those kind of calls? And if not, give Minshew a few weeks until he gets there and then, you know, I, I would say the absolute tops. Richardson, you know, goes five weeks without playing. Like, I don't think we even get to midseason. I think maybe a month and then Richardson's in there at the most. If they have an early bye, then maybe, yeah, you know, like Gardner starts the first five, six games. What, but, if, he's, but, what, but if, he's winning, what if he's winning? There you go. That's, that's an interesting question. So, so. Uh, well, if you're winning, don't, don't bro- you know, don't fix don't mess it. with success. Somebody mentioned that. Uh, I wouldn't you, bet on that, though. You hear all these things. Well, you know, as long as he's not going to hurt the team, you play him. Well, my point is, as long as the team's not going to hurt him. So, what you know, you've got to come out of preseason knowing how you feel about your offensive line, mm-hmm. which wasn't very good last year. Right. Maybe Six. that's a good reason to start Minshew week one. Just kind of <laughs> see how it does. How kind of test the waters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because the fact, and again, people say, well, you know, he's got this mobility. He can run away from sacks. Those guys a lot of times run into sacks. So I think it's going to be, in how many times did Ursay mention 
simplified offense so that he can play. If they think he's got a good grasp of what they're doing and they can keep him from getting David Card as a rookie, maybe he starts. You know, because there's no doubt in my mind that Gardner Minshew will be the better prepared quarterback in week one. Uh Just because. He's played. He's played two years in Steichen's system. But listen to Steichen, listen to Ursay, and and sort of listen to Ballard. But the other two guys really made it clear. Reps, reps, reps. That's what you need. And if they believe he can function and and they can keep him out of harm's way as much as you can with a quarterback, this kid might play right away. And the quarterbacks he's been compared to most often through this process are Cam Newton and uh, and Josh Allen. Um, and Josh Allen, because he was similar in, in college, uh, highly scrutinized, not the most accurate. First of all, let me say, if Josh Allen was playing in the SEC, he would have been even less accurate than he was uh, at Wyoming. His numbers would have been far less than Anthony Richardson's. So. This is like his seventh year. Josh Allen? Josh yeah, Allen. he's up there yep, now. Like he was, he, was, he was in the Quentin draft class, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, I mean, Josh Allen's first year, he did not start week one, but then he started week two, I think. Like, he came in at the end of that week one game just to see, get a little smoke. And he was like, okay, let's start in week two. Here, here he goes. Uh, the, the era has begun. It was just like that. I'm pretty sure Cam Newton started from day one, which um, was not surprising since uh, he was the first overall pick there. Um, so, so you look at those two, and, and you say that the st- starting is going to happen sooner rather than later. I, I'm, I'm convinced of that. Well, and just looking at what Josh Allen did in year one, 2,000 passing yards, 52.8% completions, 10 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions, but he also ran for 600 yards and eight touchdowns. And that's, that's why Chris Ballard cautioned not to crown Anthony Richardson ending yet, and early on, it might not be pretty. Because if you're comparing it to Josh Allen, who is an MVP-type candidate now, and he was after they got Stephon Diggs, by the way, in his third year. What was his second year like, Josh Allen? Do you have that in front of you, Second year, he goes to 3,000 passing yards. Completions percentage goes up to 58.8. Touchdown interception ratio goes up to 20 to 9. That's still not very good. Like in his second year as a passer in the NFL. And then, boom, year three, 69% completions, 4,500 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. If everything goes right with Richardson, it's kind of the projection we're looking at. Year after year growth Mm -hmm. and then kind of meeting that potential that he has. So Colts fans should be in it for the long haul right now, be okay to struggle for a couple years. And, hey, you get some higher draft picks those years to build some more talent around him, for crying out loud. Like, you, you should not expect this team to be all that competitive this year, but you should expect to have some fun watching this young kid. Like, if there's no number one obvious, if there's no Peyton Manning, if there's no Andrew Luck, if there's no Trevor Lawrence, that's the obvious number one overall pick that seems like a polished prospect who's ready to go in spite of the Jacksonville Jaguars trying to ruin somebody. By the uh, way, the Bills went 10-6 and six in year two of Josh Allen. Yeah, so like, if, if there's not that, <laughs> that, the best thing to have is the guy that you're most excited about a future. And, and Anthony Richardson, has it scares you, yes, but at the same time excites you about the future. There's no better pick that Colts fans could have had, knowing that the immediate future is not the best than Anthony Richardson because you can get pumped for four or five years down the road or the possibility of it. You always enjoy talking to Jim Irsay because he always just throws things out there. And, again, these guys are going to want to win as much as they can this year because that 
That's what they always Again, do. DeForest Buckner wants to. He doesn't want to go mm-hmm. four and 13. Nope. But, but it's funny that it, we were talking with her saying, he said, you know, I had a long talk with Marvin Harrison. And he made it clear they weren't talking about the quarterback. They were talking about Marvin Jr. Mm-hmm. So have a bad year and all of a sudden get a top five pick and look who might be there, Marvin Jr. So, but, but, and, and as we've talked about and you mentioned it, this pick is not about 2023. No. It's just not. You know, whatever they do this year, you want this quarterback, this kid, kid 20 years old, to grow and get better. Remember, Peyton Manning was 3-13, and and he had a better offense around him coming back. So you're going to struggle. You just are. But but the important thing is to get the, get the guy reps, get him starts, and, and then 2024 – you should be really set to compete for something. And it depends on the AFC South uh, at that point, because right now, if the Jaguars are for real, maybe they put another year together. Uh, it, it's hard to bet on the Jaguars being real just because you You've never been know. Uh, we've been down that exactly. road before. Yeah, whether they go to the AFC Championship or to one third and 13 defensive conversion away from going to the Super Bowl. Uh, it, so much is up in the air in the yeah, division. Stroud, CJ Stroud, Will, Will Levis. Levis. Yeah. Like, it, it, how do these – this division for the next – what five to ten years very will come down to how these quarterbacks pan out mm-hmm. because yep. is one of these quarterbacks going to rise to the level to compete with Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars for that division title to be the king of the AFC South and mm-hmm. it, it, it if one or two can the man is shaping up to be a very competitive and fun to watch division for and several we, years and we've talked about the AFC itself mm-hmm. I mean you you, you, can, you can rattle off six or seven guys that don't include Aaron Rodgers, yep. young quarterbacks. And that's why they, they they had to come out of this with a quarterback that you can say this. They're saying we hope this is our guy, but but that this is our guy. Mm-hmm. And you believe it. And if it works, Chris Ballard is going to be here a long time. If it doesn't, he probably won't be, which, which is that, – that, that's the job description. And, man, I'll just say, Colts fan, we've waited for this. Mm-hmm. We've waited for it ever since. This is the most excited I've been about the Colts since Andrew Luck was here. Yep. Uh, uh, we, we finally got a cool young quarterback. He can run. He can do all the things. We're not watching Phillip Rivers in the pocket. We're not watching Carson Wentz throw left-handed passes or Matt Ryan fumble every time he's breathed on. We finally have an athletic cool young quarterback who can do all the things imaginable. Uh, when's the last time the Colts, since Andrew Luck, had a quarterback that you would want to play in Madden? Mm-hmm. Now Anthony Richardson, you can run all over the field and do all those awesome things. This is an exciting time to be a Colts fan. I, I just find it funny that the Colts drafted a guy that, uh, that uh, you know, he, he hits the, the big plays and he, uh, he needs to work on the layups. You know, he, he's maybe more athletic than the average quarterback. Uh, he's a big dude and... Don't you dare! Don't you dare bring me down. Uh, I just, fi- I just, I just find Carson it hilarious. Wins. I just find it hilarious. No, no, no. That that's not really a good comparison. <laughs> I'm very much talking tongue in cheek right now. Before anybody gets at me right now, you know, one, one thing that was brought up by, by <laughs> I'm just trying to get under Joe's skin and succeeding. Worked, you did, worked, yeah. But it was brought up uh, w- when they brought in Richardson on Friday. Is he brought? There were like nine family members slash colleagues with him. Get a big entourage along with him. And a good portion is coming with him. Yep. He, he made it very clear that what mom, step stepdad, brother, 
agent and, and, and manager, whatever you want to call it, will be here because he understands the importance of ha having a strong supporting cast around him. I wonder where his little brother's going to go to high school, play ball. Oh, Pierre, let's go. There you Somebody's going to want him. There Cathedral's go. going to want him. Beach Grove, you know? yeah, Beach Beach Grove. Needs, we need talent. Let's go. Let's. I, I, know, I know people. <laughs> Chapel has, a, has some places he could, he could stay down there. But, yeah. but he made it very clear that it keeps him grounded, and that just shows a maturity that maybe a lot of guys don't have. So he wants to do things the right way because a lot's going to be against him. There's going to be a lot against him. But give yourself the absolute best chance to succeed, and that's what he's trying to do. Well, to have the best chance to succeed, you need some good players alongside your starting quarterback. So the Colts go into the second round. They had the 35th overall pick, fourth into the second round. But we knew they weren't going to keep absolutely that. Absolutely no one's surprise. Chris Ballard traded that one away. And then to absolutely no one's surprise, he traded the next pick at 38 Thank away. Thank you, Shroom. I have another one. Indeed, which, which like I said, 0% surprising. Maybe what was surprising later is he didn't trade any more around, trying to move back up. The Colts made 12 picks in this draft. 12 Somebody picks. told him 12 is the limit. Yeah, it must have. <laughs> they, that, pick, they picked 13 back in 1992, back when yeah, the draft there, was there much There were 12 longer. rounds. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's why they picked 12. Th this this is the most in a, in a, in a seven-round draft and the most against since 13 that year so yep. I was very busy with the live blog this past week yeah no kidding he gave us a lot to do finally the Colts get back on the clock at 44th overall they draft cornerback Julius Brent Juju is uh his uh his nickname what he goes by Juju Brent out of Kansas State played his high school ball here in central Indiana on the east side of Indianapolis at Warren Central he is 6'3 200 pounds big guy 34 inch arms that is large for a cornerback not the most impressive 40 at 4-5, but if you're a 6-3 cornerback, that's still a pretty tall guy that a quarterback has to throw over down the sideline. So you can get away with uh, running a 4-5 if you're 6-3 playing cornerback in the league, and he's a guy that fits into Gus Bradley's system, uh, the type of player you want. Had four interceptions last year when he was named first team All-Big 12. Uh, right now has a broken wrist. Uh, he's looking to be ready by training camp, which Chris Bauer told us, chap, that he will be ready by training camp. But this starts a couple more cornerbacks the Colts would take, which we'll get into later, uh, filling a, a glaring need the Colts had this offseason here with Juju Brunts in the second round. I think what's important about the injury is it's his hand. It's not a broken foot. It's not a hammy. It's not, you know, a groin where you can't do Heck, you motion. can play corner with a, with a you ball can't, around you your wrist. You can't put a you club know? on it. Yeah, because yeah, he, he, he said all he can't do is punch. Right. Okay, but, but, he can, but he can be ready. Uh, and, and we knew that corner was going to be a, a, a prime position. We, we, we wondered would it be corner receiver, receiver corner, what we found out, and two more to go with it. We talked about that room, that the, the, the corner room is such a thin room. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, who knows how these guys develop it. Can't you see Juju out there? In week one? I absolutely Starting. can see him out there yeah. in week one. I'd almost be surprised if he wasn't, to be honest. It starts the run of Gus Bradley really getting his kind of cornerbacks in the building. That's not something he had last year, and that's uh, what I would suspect to be a big reason why we didn't see more Isaiah Rodgers. We were wondering week after week after Faison kept struggling, why not Rodgers, why not Rodgers? Well, he's small. He's 5'10". He doesn't fit the, the scheme of Gus Bradley. Uh, Juju Brins absolutely does a four five three. It's not going to shock anybody or wow anybody, but it's plenty fast for a quarterback. Fonte Davis, one of the best corners in Colts history, ran in the four fives as well. And then the rest of his testing was excellent. Vertical, forty one and a half inch vertical, eleven 
foot, six inch broad jump, six, six, three, three cone. The broad and three cone were the best among corners in the combine and the vertical was the second best. His relative athleticism score, RAS score was a 9.99. That means like one person ever. So he wasn't perfect. He was, yeah, that's right. And He's it like, was the 40. Yeah. It was a 40, mm-hmm. but that's why. For a guy to be six foot three, give you that much length, and then the 6.633 cone, which tests for your agility and ability to change directions, there's that's rare to be that lengthy, that tall, and be able to change directions that quickly. We're really high on Juju. We talked about him leading into the draft. I mean, mm-hmm. the first, you know. Really, first couple days of the draft, we nailed and talking about Anthony Richardson, yep. trade back at the top of round two. Um, Brents was someone that we both highlighted specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talked about wide receiver. It could be a bunch of different guys, but we specifically talked about a quick, fast slot receiver, and that's exactly what they got in round three. Everybody got picked 79. The Colts draft wide receiver Josh Downs out of North Carolina, who turns out was Reggie Wayne's favorite wide receiver in this whole draft chap. But when, when Reg goes up to Chris Ballard and says, combine. Yeah, at, says, man, this Josh Downs, I'm looking at him. He's just incredible. Like that, that, that's got to perk my ears up if I'm Chris Ballard. And I think they're very, very fortunate to guess Josh Downs at 79 overall because I saw a couple of other mocks here and there that had him going much, much higher. I was shocked. Ian. I thought the Colts might take him with their second-round pick. The four, at the 44 overall, for sure. And, and I, Pro Football Focus had him ranked the fifth-best court, uh, fifth best wide receiver on their draft boards. His last two years at North Carolina were exceptionally productive. And I know the ACC is not the SEC, but there, there's no slack in the ACC either. There's some really great players, uh, really great corners at Syracuse, uh, at, uh, at Miami, at, uh, at Virginia Tech, you know. So, uh, so this guy's not going up against, uh, up against MAC competition. Downs was incredibly productive the last two years, and he fits another need the Colts had because he have some big guys on the outside with Pittman, who you really like, and Pierce, who you want to take a next step. How do you get some rookie on the field? You draft a guy with a different skill set. Down certainly is that. Which doesn't that tell you maybe this is Shane Steichen's influence? And in, in, in what's important is the GM listening to his head coach slash offensive guy. Slash wide receivers coach as well, maybe. Right. This, this is the kind of guy. And right. Receivers coach as well. This is the kind of guy I need. He told reporters at the, at the owners' meetings he likes a versatile receivers room. And this is sort of a T.Y. guy uh, in the room. And, uh, again, he, he could, he, he's, they signed Isaiah McKenzie. This guy's more. This guy's more than that. So we talked the important thing was when you're going to go with a young guy, give him parts around him. And that, that this is a major part around him. Yeah, I love Downs. You know, he's only 5'9", 170. But he was a great contested catch receiver in college. Um, excellent hands, great route runner, very quick, and, and he tested well. I mean, 4.48 40 yard dash um, is still solid. It's not slow out there. Um, he had a 38 and a half inch vertical, so that shows his explosiveness. AP All American in 2022, um, 19 touchdowns over the past couple of years, so he got it done in the red zone as well. I mean, Chris Ballard talked about how. They were trying to trade up to draft him. They had all those fifth and fourth round picks. They were trying to trade up to draft him for about the last 20 picks. Weren't able to do it. And 
that he considers himself fortunate that Downs fell to them at 79. Yeah, I think there's a lot to – I think out of all the picks in this entire draft, the Josh Downs picks was my favorite out of all of them because of, I think, the value they got there, the need they got – and I, I think he can be incredibly valuable for, for a young quarterback and just a different, different skill set than just the guy, the big guys on the outside. Yeah. I, I love this pick. I'm right there with you. I mean, love Juju, but he was expected to go yep. around that range. Love yeah. Richardson. Yeah. Obviously, that's my favorite pick. Of course. <laughs> when we're talking about value, uh, and they had other great value picks as well, but I just love what Downs can do at wide receiver from day one. I mean, he might start, and if he doesn't, he's going to at least split time with McKenzie. Well, so, and, and if you're right on him, and, and certainly Richardson, th- th- this is a young receiver group to grow with your quarterback. Yep. I mean, P- Pittman's not an old man, and, and Pierce's second year, so this is, ha- this is how really, really good offenses get really, really good as they grow together. Day three of the NFL draft. We go on to round four. The Colts have made three picks so far, one in each round. Now they start stacking them, stacking picks. Early in round four, uh, they select offensive tackle Blake Freeland out of BYU. Freeland is a monster of a human being at 6'8", 300 pounds, uh, 33 and 7 eighths in his arms. Couldn't quite hit that 34, Joe. was ever so close. But uh, at the combine, ran a sub-five-second 40, was the third best among offensive linemen, was, again, the highest athletic RAS testing offensive lineman at the combine this year had a really good number. I forget exactly what it was, but um, had a good 9.83. There you go. 9.83 out of 10. Another freakishly athletic dude. Um, I, I forget who it was. One of the analysts, it might've been Lewis Reddick who, who said that out of all the, uh, there, there's no better offensive lineman athletically in this year's draft than, uh, than Blake Freeland and chap. The Colts need some, something there on the edge um, to, to be a backup, to not have uh, a, a string of who's who's nobodies, uh, like literally who's who, like behind uh, your two starters. And, and really, we could argue we have that, um, that uh, you still need starting caliber level reserves to push the starters at least. I don't know if Freeland is that, but he gives you another body in there that I think has the potential to be a contributor in the NFL uh, there at, in the fourth round. Well, the, the, the concern, because of the way they've handled the position all offseason, is Freeland is basically your, your default backup swing tackle. Right. He just is because who else? I mean, that, that, that's what they've done. I'm a little nervous if he has to be that swing tackle as a rookie. We saw how Bernard Ryman took time. As a third-round pick. As a third-round. Now, I, I right. realize, you know, Ryman had the had the, the 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 thin resume at tackle, but to expect anybody any any traffic to come in third round, fourth round, whatever, and play significant minutes, maybe they maybe they're ready for it. It's a, it makes me a little nervous, but th- this guy's got great upside, and he's going to be your swing guy until he challenges. What uh, uh, Braden Smith? I mean. Hmm. I- I think you could challenge Ryman. Why not? He, he's got the better profile for it. He's more athletic. He's got more length. His arms are a full inch longer to be able to get to those defensive ends. Ryman showed a lot of promise towards the end of last season, but you know, no one should be crowning him the franchise left tackle. They have competition um, on it. And I agree that they do need more veterans on the offensive line. 
Um, but the thing that at least with Freeland and I get the level of competition at BYU, it's not like he's coming from the SEC or anything like that, but he had 41 starts at college. That, uh, that matters, yeah. So he, has, he does have experience in playing the position all four years. Pro Football Focus is second highest graded offensive tackle last year. Um, so, you know, he needs to get a little stronger. He's only 302. Maybe he could add another 10 pounds of muscle. Leverage is always going to be an issue with someone who's six foot eight. It's going to be hard for those defensive ends who, you know, those Von Millers who curl under you. Um, that's always going to be something that he has to deal with. But I think at worst case scenario, you have a rock solid swing tackle who could maybe challenge for the starting position midway through the year if I'm in struggling or maybe next year. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's round four, pick 106. Four picks later, round four, pick 110. Uh, the Colts draft defensive lineman out of Northwestern, Aditamiwa Adibare. We needed a drum roll right there. That's right, in order to, to well, make that pick. Aditamiwa Adibare. I definitely had to look it up like 10 times to, to make sure I was, I was saying it right and heard him say it himself, which is, which is always helpful. And if you're look, talking about athletic freaks, here's another one this right might here. might be the number one. On defense, we'll call him the number one. We'll call Anthony Richardson number one on offense. Um, he is 6'2", 282 pounds, um, a 282-pound man who runs a 40 at 4'49", which is ludicrous. And he plays defensive tackles where the Colts want to play. He played all across the defensive line for Northwestern. Chris Ballard says they like him at the three technique, which is the position DeForest Buckner plays. Stand those two guys side by side and say they play the same position. Uh, yeah, and wow. Um, Adebarre... Was Buckner's gonna make him look small, yeah, yeah, he will <laughs> for real. Um, Adabari needs to, if he wants to be effective, there are 282 pounds, he's gonna have to get stronger, in my opinion. Like, you can't run a 449 in the defensive interior, and, and I, I hate to throw a wet blanket uh, on anything. If there's one pick that I'm like, eh, about it, might be this, to be perfectly honest, because it's, he seems like one that's numbers that doesn't. That's that's going to be difficult to translate, translate at defensive to tackle. Yes, right. exactly. Like, I think he could be a three-four defensive end, and I think be really effective. It's going to take a lot of work, which is not saying he won't. If he puts in the work and it falls well for him, maybe he can be an effective player in the NFL. But it's going to take a lot of work, especially for for Adebare to I think make an impact because. Because, like I said, you can't run four four nine on the defensive interior. You, you, you just can't do it. Uh, there's somebody two inches in front of you. So you're well, going to have to take those athletic traits and make them work to your advantage. It can take them so, a, a while to learn how to do that is what I'm saying. I the think. good news is he also had a 1.61 10-yard split, which is just the first 10 yards of that 40, which is the best Explosive. among D tackles. Yes. 37-inch vertical, um, which was the best among D tackles. I mean, uh, so... He has a lot of explosion to his right. game, which will translate right yes, away. It will. He has that inside-outside flexibility, which is something the Colts have shown to value. Like I think at worst, you know, maybe he's that Tyquan Lewis who could be a rotational guy, rush the passer from the inside on third downs, and then maybe on obvious rushing downs, uh, go play DN for you. But uh, I think his development could be aided a lot if they just give him one position and let him focus on that. Let him focus on that three technique, learn behind Buckner. Buckner's 29. He's got two more years left on his contract, so he's still playing at an elite level. But you take an athletic freak like this in round four who, 
People were talking about him going round one or two after he tested just because he's that athletic. I think he fell because he's a bit of a twinger. Is he a defensive end? Is he a D-tackle? His production in college was never all that great. I think he had about four to five sacks each of the past two seasons. So he's just a great guy in round four with high athletic traits to add to your defensive rotation. Um, I'm not sure how much we'll see him in his rookie season. I think that will depend greatly on injuries. But uh, he's a nice guy to kind of stash away and think, man, if he, if he can get close to his potential, he could be a good player in another year or two. Yeah, just a player now, Chap, to, to have a role and to maybe come in occasionally. But obviously with Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner out front, you're, you're not relying on a fourth-round pick. You hope to do anything serious. You just give him one small role and see if he can excel in that and then build on him from there. That's what Ballard talked about. He likes to have – you need to have eight, nine, maybe ten mm-hmm. reliable people. <clears throat> On the defensive line because they rotate. So, yeah, he's probably more of a – I hate to use the word project, but he's a guy that you need to develop more than maybe someone else that, that you drafted. Under round five at pick 138, the Colts draft cornerback, their second corner in this draft, Darius Rush out of South Carolina. He's 6'2", 195 pounds, so another tall corner. Uh, just uh, in the same mold, uh, similar mold to Juju Brents. Uh, what's different about Rush – is uh, is his speed. He's, he runs a 4.36 40-yard dash, which is incredibly fast for a 6.2. 35-inch um, vertical, 10-foot, 1-inch broad jump. He played wide receiver at first when he went to uh, South Carolina. He was actually a quarterback back in high school um, and started the last two years. So um, he's the only guy we didn't get to talk to on draft night out of, out of all 12 of these guys. So I can't say I, I, too much about him. Uh, but I, I know that Ballard said that he liked him, and, and you throw him in there, he's going to compete as well. And there, There's room to compete at cornerback on this roster right now. Yeah, another guy who fits the Gus Bradley mold, really just getting his kind of players at the position. Um, and he's another guy who people thought he was going to go higher in the draft. Folks thought he could maybe be a third or fourth round pick. He falls to round five and uh, kind of perfectly worked out for the Indianapolis Colts because they get another guy who fits the scheme high-end athlete two years starting so it's not I think everyone on here has a except maybe their last pick um, Jake Witt and obviously Anthony Richardson has at least two years as a starter so hopefully they'll be able to contribute in some fashion right away that brings us to the second pick for the Colts in round five at 150 after a trade the Colts traded uh, down a little bit round five and they added a seventh round pick I believe um, so in later in round five, they'd select safety Daniel Scott out of California, uh, 6'1", 208 pounds. He'll be 25 years old in October. He is not a spring chicken. He stuck it out there at Cal, played a couple of years, took his COVID year, I think, and, uh, and just got a ton of experience. So you're asking about experience. Scott has a lot of that. He's a starter the last two years, he's a team captain. Um, I expect him to be more of a special teams type player, certainly for the Colts chap, because you got a couple really safeties that you like. You've got Blackman, you've got uh, Rodney Thomas. Uh, you're hoping to have Nick Cross come along if you're the Colts. Uh, so those are three guys that you might want to rotate in here and there. Um, to, have, to have any role for Daniel Scott on defense would be a little surprising to me, but um, to have him as if he makes the roster in a specialist role would, would, would be less surprising for sure. Um, and then you, you see what he does a couple years down the road. But he's a guy that also tested well. And you said earlier um, there, was some, there was somebody here on this uh, that you said tested well athletically, but maybe not. Daniel Scott was right. the one that they pointed to. And when, when he was drafted, a lot of guys in the room who had done their work said, this looks like a core special team player. Right. And it's what, you know, how a lot of these guys are early on will have to make it. 
Right. Special and, and that's they'll probably they're probably going to maybe retool the special teams with the new coordinators. So you know th- that's where maybe the, the 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 athletic traits really come out. The run and hit type of guys is, is special teams. They will get the chances because this team has had traditionally strong elite special teams players, and they need to find some guys in this draft and the younger players from previous draft. Yeah, I, I, it, it might have been some, someone else because Scott had a 9.94 RAS score. There you go, exactly. Um, he, he, his, his 40 10-yard split and vertical were all top uh, uh, five among safeties. Um, so uh, I think this is another athletic player who can contribute right away on special teams, and then maybe a year or two down the road could be a solid safety. I mean, you don't think I don't think he'll ever be like a superstar. Obviously, he was a fifth round pick, but um, you need good special teams men, and you need depth at safety. What was perhaps mo- the most intriguing pick? I think one of the more intriguing picks in this draft, certainly on day three, the Colts' third pick in the fifth round was tight end Will Mallory out of Miami. If you talk about uh, a glut of talent or a glut of players at one position, it would be tight end on this Colts roster. Uh, Mallory is six foot four, is definitely more of a receiving than a blocking tight end. Um, or at least that's what he was known for at Miami. Um, ran a four four five, which is the fastest forty among all tight ends. In- I wrote that wrong. It's four five four. Golly, I Joe! Know. My dyslexia. Son of a gun. In. Okay. Okay. Well, fastest forty still among tight ends. Still the fastest. Still 40. fastest. Yeah, exactly. Four five four that is really was correct. Yes, it's still pretty darn fast for a tight end. And but but chap, when you look at the Col- the Colts roster, you see obviously Mo Alley Cox, Kylan Granson. Um, you see Jelani Woods, Jelani Woods, Alec Ogletree, Pharaoh Brown, and now Will Mallory. This is a position that is going to be Pharaoh Brown. Pharaoh Brown is going to be very uh, competitive in fall camp. I would not be surprised if it turns into one or two of these players get traded um, for a fifth-round pick next year uh, sometime in fall camp. Um, but, but Will Mallory right now, is it, for now, uh, is a Colt, and we'll see if he can do some damage th- uh, this, this year and show his receiving abilities and maybe uh, be competitive to, to Kylan Granson, who kind of has that position right now as the Colts' more uh, H, H-back type tight end. We talked about through Frank Wright's career here that it was a very tight ends friendly offense. I think we saw less and less of that because of they how they to block. Of how, well, <laughs> but 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 go back to Eric Ebron, where they they turned. You know, I, I we were there for the Eric Ebron era. It was incredible while it lasted. And I think they would really like to use that guy. We saw flashes of it with Jelani and a little bit with Colin Granson. They want to get to where they've got a tight end that they can use in the pass game. The yeah. question is. Who's your blocking tight end? You know, Pharaoh Brown is, but I think Mo Ali Cox has been up and down in, in blocking, as he'd probably tell you. So it's going to be a real interesting training camp on how they evaluate these guys. Yeah, I think the only tight end that's safe is Jelani Woods. I mean, he was a third-round pick, another athletic freak. Um, you know, maybe compared to this draft class, he'd fit right in, but um, certainly the most athletic player they drafted last year. And, um, I expect a big jump from him this season, but I think Ali Cox and Farrell Brown will kind of compete for that veteran tight end, that blocking tight end role. Um, and then it's Ogletree, Granson, and then Mallory who are going to compete for that um, other tight I mean, they got so many. Don't you think they probably keep four? I would they definitely generally think keep so. four. Yes. But, but keep in mind, 53-man roster and then, a, what is it, a 15- or 16-man practice squad. So it's really a 69-man roster. 
but and they and they move guys up and around, so they'll keep more. But they'll, they'll keep probably at least three, maybe four on the active roster. Round five, pick one seventy six. The culture. Oh, I, I did want to mention that uh, Will Mallory is the grandson of Bill Mallory, longtime IU football coach as well. Uh, the Colts' fifth, uh, fourth, and final fifth round pick is our running back Evan Hall out of Northwestern. 5'10", 209 pounds, kind of a compact style runner. Uh, turns 23 years old in October. And he's a pass catcher, which the Colts need after uh, the departure of Naheem Hines. Um, he caught 55 passes in 2022 for 550 yards nearly. Had 221 rushes for 913 yards. Uh, seven total touchdowns. Had the most catches among running backs in college football. Joe notes right here. That's, uh, like, like, like I said, the Colts... Uh, Again, fitting a need right here with, with Evan Hall, with what they have in the backfield. Yep, and one of two players to have 500 rushing and 500 receiving yards last year. So uh, I loved this pick. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also athletic, 4'4", 740, um, 37-inch vertical, one five three ten 10-yard split. So he's a guy who can do a little bit of damage. Obviously, he's no Jonathan Taylor in terms of explosiveness. Few are. But he fits that third down role Chris Ballard talked about. He's like, he can really catch the football. He's good in pass pro. He can contribute on special teams. So the Colts need a third down back, and Hull certainly has the opportunity to be that based on what he showed in college. Colts had one pretty good fifth-round pick out of Northwestern a couple years ago, and Anthony Walker Jr., the linebacker, so hoping to get some similar production here uh, from Evan Hall in his career in Indianapolis. Let's blaze through these last three. A sixth-round pick, Titus Leo, a defensive end out of Wagner. It was uh, actually the Colts' second player out of Wagner on their roster. Chris Williams, the defensive end also, uh, or defensive tackle, also went to Wagner. I'll bet you didn't know that there are two players from Wagner on the Colts' roster. Uh, as Pro Day ran a 4-4-9-40, so pretty fast uh, dude. Wagner, uh, sorry, Leo was oh, a... Mess that up again, 4-6-9. Golly, Joe. I know, I... I was about to say 4 4 nine's pretty darn fast. They did. You're, you're just moving all these things <laughs> together. Hey, uh, Leo was a Buck Buchanan Award uh, finalist in uh, 2021 for the best defensive player in all of FCS. So that's pretty darn good. I think he had 32 and a half tackles for loss the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, has, has definitely had some good stats shown in the backfield. This is more of a Leo role. His name is Titus Leo. He will play Perfect. the Leo. Exactly. Yeah, that Ngakwe, smaller, quicker yep. D-end role. So he's a project player. but mm-hmm. As so, everyone is right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, everyone in these rounds. Yeah, and round seven, two-pick cornerback Jalen Jones out of Texas A&M and uh, offensive tackle Jake Witt out of Northern Michigan. Witt, in particular, tested really highly athletic, like I told you earlier, had a great RAS score, so that's why I, I eyed him in my all-RAS draft earlier. And Jalen Jones, another corner to compete there, uh, had the second-best three-cone uh, number at the combine and the second-best 10-yard split. 6-2. There you go, at 6-2 again. So they had three cornerbacks, 6-2, 6-2, 6-3, exactly what you would expect from Chris Ballard and for Gus Bradley there on the outside. And uh, then, like, you want to bring in guys and see who sticks. Like, see, especially for a position where there's so much, it seems like, chap uh, available right there. Um, like you, you like Isaiah Rogers. You like what Dallas Flowers started, showed briefly last year. But, uh, but you, you need some competition there. And I think adding all three of these guys will, will, will bring out the best among them. And at least one of these, better, one of these five guys is going to be a cornerback here on the Colts for a long time. And again, they still may go out and bring a, they should go out and bring in a veteran free agent. Yeah. You know, Rock Hassan. Yeah. Oh, hey, I wouldn't, mind, Seen, I wouldn't yeah. mind that. Uh-huh. So, but, but again, it, it, it's, they, they needed to, to sign to reinforce the, re, the corner room because they created the voids there. They, they traded Stefan Gilmore. They didn't resign. 
Brandon Fashon. So, but no, you you want to get younger, and you and it's going to be really fascinating to watch the competition in training camp at that position because it's you know you've got a couple guys that are proven. Kenny Moore is going to be motivated, and we talked to him today, and he's motivated to sort of you know take care of unfinished business here. Last year wasn't a good year, so this is it's. I, th- I think we sort of knew that the defense might suffer a little bit while you're trying to focus on the offense. But cornerback, this is still as thin a room experience-wise as I can remember in a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just because I think I'm excited to watch them doesn't mean I think that it's a strength. (laughs) You could be excited about something and realize that it's not a strength on the team. So I think it's going to be fun if you get the chance to head out to Westfield and watch some training camp this year to, to see some of these young cornerbacks in action. I do. Um, so there have also been undrafted free agent signings. We're not going to get into that too much other than to say the Colts apparently have signed a guard Emil Echior Jr. out of Cathedral High School. Uh, started uh, for Alabama in their national championship year. Uh, some people thought he was going to be drafted in round four, round five. And then I saw him in plenty of mocks. Uh, seemed to go that way. But uh, 6'2", 314 pounds. Um, he, he made it all the way through the draft, was not taken. Uh, I don't know why because I'm not a scout, and I'm not in those rooms. There's a reason. Exactly. He made 40 starts at Alabama, for crying out loud. Like, how does that guy not get drafted? But um, the Colts certainly need need help on the interior again, at least as a reserve, maybe even in a starter's role. So uh, we'll see where he slots in. I would not be surprised that right now if he makes the roster, but, of course, there could be additions through all that. Right now he's the backup right guard. Right, Exactly. Yeah, right now he makes the roster, that's Oof. for sure. Yeah, yikes. Like, uh, I, I, I'm excited about this guy. Mm-hmm. He seems like he has potential, but when an undrafted free agency or backup right guard... Yeah. Oof. All right, I, I, I promised overall draft grade, so we'll do that before we wrap things up and kick some of these other things till next week. So overall draft grade, for I'll, I'll go first, then, uh, then Joe, and then Chap can wrap things up. I, I thought this was a great draft. Um, I, you never know. Like, that's why you all, I always have to, have to um, add that. Like, you, you don't know how these guys are going to pan out, but I think you drafted a lot of guys to be excited about. I think that Richardson was the best choice, uh, what you had there at the time. I really like the downs pick, like I said. Drafting three cornerbacks, I'll bet one of them hits. And uh, then if you get one more, that's that's like four contributors in one draft, which is fantastic if you get four contributors to one to your team in one draft. So uh, I, I'm going to go with an A- minus because I, I really do like what they did. I don't love giving out A's, honestly, when I'm in draft because they're, they're just so... It's so fickle. You re- never really know what's going to happen. But but I really like this one. I thought that there were some guys that, that are going to be really intriguing players and guys that can contribute right away. Um, and uh, and like I said, I really do like the downs pick. I keep coming back to that. But I think he's going to be he's going to be a good, unique player for them for the years to come. So, Joe, what do you think about this draft? I got to give it A plus. Obviously, they they took my guy Anthony Richardson, so that would at least at least get it to an A minus. Yeah, um, I mean it doesn't matter. They could trade away every <laughs> other pick. No, I, I thought it was great. It was one of the few drafts where you know, I just kept going through. It was like love that pick, love that pick, love that pick. Usually, there's a few where it's a bit of a head scratcher, but I'm like, all right. I mean, you know more than I do. Um, this was not one of those. Uh, just the overall athleticism. Richardson, Brents, Downs, even I love the next three picks, Freeland, uh, Edibare, uh, Darius Rush. Like, I think all those guys can develop into starters. And so just they hit needs with high upside, highly athletic players who should, at least a couple, should be able to contribute right away. Maybe the first three picks um, able to contribute greatly right away. And 
the only knock on it is they didn't address guard. But, you know, hopefully they'll be able to sign a veteran to shove in there at guard. Yeah, I would probably say B-plus. To me, the only way you can really grade a draft immediately is did you looked at what you perceived to be their needs, and I think most of us agreed what the needs were, and did they address it with people? <laughs> with, with, with bodies. Guys, with bodies at that position, and we can argue whether the, that body is who you would have put there in round two, three, or four, and they did. You know, I, I would like to have seen a guard as well, but not at the expense of a quarterback, a corner, a receiver, or a tackle. Mm -hmm. So uh, getting a guard in round five or six, I'm not sure what how that would have made me feel better. And I think I, – and I, I'll defer to you guys, but primarily to Joe about these draft picks and what they are, what they can be. The only thing that matters is were they right with Richardson? They can be right with 11 of these guys, and these guys are going to be guys who play their rookie their rookie contracts in four years and, of course, being more than Ben Bannock, who did the same thing. But, but guys who contribute. But if the quarterback's not the guy, what do you got? So I, 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 I hope it is. I hope the quarterback's the right guy because we've been through quarterback revolving door ad nauseum. We've, they've got to get away from that. And if Richardson is the right guy, then this is a this is a grand slam draft, but only if Richardson is a guy. And uh, he could be a grand slam, and everyone else can be a dud and be Ben Banigo. And you still look back and be like, well, they got the quarterback. You got the quarterback. For 10, for 10 12 years, you got your guy. Yep. So uh, I, I completely agree. It, it hinges on Richardson. And it should, but it should. So, so does Carolina. Mm -hmm. So does Houston. Yep. So did Kansas City with Mahomes. If you're right, you're right. If you're not, you're Jacksonville going through Bortles and Gabbert and all these guys. Get the guy, and he he makes everything possible. We talked to so many guys, you know, Ursay and the scouts and all this, and, and so in Dodds, and, and so the names run together with what they said, but. One of them said, you want to get the guy that you don't want to face. And if this guy is that guy, you're looking at a, a Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts type of guy that is a defense you don't want to face, and that gives you hope. Well, we're in store for a really intriguing season of Colts football coming up, and uh, we'll be here to deliver it to you on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We appreciate you listening this week. We encourage you to subscribe to get us delivered to your podcast listening device as soon as it drops. Follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes throughout the week. Mike Chappell is at mchappell51. For Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. You can follow me at DaveG underscore sports. We'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Yeah.